Since we are celebrating Father's Day, I would like to wish you all Father's Day, happy Father's Day, and also happy Men's Day. We are grateful that the Lord has brought us together this morning, and we have a precious memories of our fathers, and we always thank God for those precious memories. In our Bible study, every Sunday, 9.30, we are studying about God, who God is. It's wonderful to know we can sing our God is an awesome God. But we need to understand who awesome God is. And it's wonderful because since we do not have the the clear view of who God is, how often we judge God for what he allows in our life. We want to negotiate with God and tell that is not the way, Lord, I expected you. But we know that God of the Bible is God. And we must know who God is. So I request or I can appeal to you, if you have a time, you can come in the morning Bible study, and I tell you, you will never be regretted. We are going to study, God willing, from next Lord's Day about the attributes of God, holiness, righteousness, justice, all these things. And uh, I already gave the hits up for the Bible study group that there are many questions in our life which are unanswered. And on this side of the river, we will never comprehend when it comes to in our personal life. How often you have encountered the questions like, why do the righteous suffer? Where is God when the tragedy strikes? If God is so loving, and how can he allow human suffering? Does he not care? Is God worthy of our worship in tough times? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does a good God allow tragedy to come to his children? These are the questions, legitimate questions, and require answer. Where can we find the answer for these questions? Well, thank God that he has given us the book called Bible. And God willing, from next spring 2019, we are going to study the book of Job. It's a very profound book. And I guarantee you that all the questions we, I raised this morning will be answered. One by one. And when we look to the character of Job, you will find out where is God when it hurt Job. Even his own wife told, curse God and die. You're not worth living. And Job says, my word is repulsive to my own family members. What was God doing in Job's life? All these things we are going to study, God willing, in spring of 2019. 
So I requested the Bible study group that now from now on till the spring, there are 42 chapters in book of Job. So you can do your homework, read every day one chapter of Job and write down the questions you come across while reading. And when we study the book of Job, Holy Spirit will guide you and answer you all the questions. And I guarantee you, you will never be regretted. So pray for me that I, as I wait upon God for this book, Job, I never did the study from the book of Job by personal. I did it, but not teaching. So I'm looking forward to teach book of Job in spring, God willing. For this morning, I would like to, I would, I would like you to turn with me to Acts of the Apostle, chapter 4, verse 34, 30 to 37. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. And Acts chapter 11, verse 20 through 26. These are the verses we are going to consider about one man. And the, my, the title for this exposition, Needed Man of God in this hour. Needed man of God, or needed a woman of God on this, in this hour. So would you please stand to honor God's word as we read Acts chapter 4, verse 34 through 37. 34 through 37. Maybe if we read verse 33 and through 37, then we will go back, go to chapter 9, verse 26, 27, and then I will tell you. So the first verse I will read, and next verse you will read out loud together. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, you will read verse 34. And with the great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distributions was made unto every man according, to, according as he had need. Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. And Saul, and, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he arrayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Chapter 11, verse 20 through 26. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the, uh, 
Gentiles preaching the Lord Jesus. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, and he should go as far as Antioch. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. May the spirit of the living God open our eyes and understanding to gaze the glory of God's word through this man called Barnabas. Please be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask the spirit of the living God, open our eyes, our understanding, and give us the obedient heart that we may be changed in your likeness. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, my rock, my redeemer, and soon coming king. Amen. On this Father's Day, I was waiting upon God for the sermon which would encourage us. We are living in a time where we have lack of character. We need the character back in our home. And we can find it from the scripture that this is what the Lord expects from the believing family. So we are needed the man and the woman of God with character. When you were growing up, all the time your parents told you that look at this man. I want you to become like him one day. Character. Character. But now we are changing and turn the tide. Instead of a character, people are looking the success. What kind of car he's driving? What kind of place he's living? Does he have a boat? Does he have this? I want you to be that. So what happened? Once upon a time, the character was elevated and always looked forward for that kind of person. But now the character has been sacrificed on the altar of success. As a result of that, we are missing the character in the family. We are desperately need the character. And I hope and pray this character of Barnabas would enlighten all of us that this is what I can provide to my family. 
This is what is lacking today, and I hope you will see that. The testimony of Barnabas is absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. He was, according to Acts chapter 11, verse 24, he was a good man. He was a good man as the Holy Spirit writes. And then he says, he, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, Paul writes, scarcely for the righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. In other words, Barnabas was that kind of man for whom somebody would dare to die. That kind of man Barnabas was. He was, according to Acts chapter 20, 11, verse 24, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, in English, the word good man is just good man. But Greek helps us to understand what does the good man stands for. The word good man is agathos in Greek language. And that means a profitable, useful to benefit others. Let me say it again. In English, the word good man, but in the Greek, agathos reflects much more than good man. According to Greek language, the word good man is profitable, useful to benefit others. So here we have Barnabas, benefit for others, good man, Useful to others. He was lovable, godly man. So be a man that other men would die for. And I will tell you it's worth following him. It's worth following him. That is Barnabas. Not only Barnabas was the lovable man. But he was also leadable man. Who would lead when the church was growing in Antioch, the Jerusalem believers, the apostles, thought about only one man who can lead the congregation in Antioch. And they dispatched Barnabas. So he was a lovable man and he was leadable man. He was profitable and all. And there are seven characteristics we can learn from the life of Barnabas. Seven characteristics from life of Barnabas. Number one, he was a sincere man, a man without hypocrisy. A man without hypocrisy, a sincere man. Second characteristics we are going to consider, he was a sympathetic man. Third characteristics, he was a spiritual man. Fourth characteristic, a sensible man. Fifth characteristic was surrender man. He surrendered. Sixth, he was a sound man. And the seventh characteristics, he was a separated man. These are the hallmark of Barnabas. And I, I, I wish and pray that you would take these characteristics, go to your prayer closet and search your heart and see what you can do in your life and through your life, what you can provide. So follow me as we get into all these characteristics. The first characteristics from Barnabas is was a sincere man. Sincere man. 
we met barnabas in the very early days of the infant church the infant church was full with fire and the fever of the first low church barnabas appears in chapter 4 verse 34 to 36 luke links barnabas as the apostle chapter luke chapter 4 acts chapter 14 verse 14 barnabas and paul the apostle according to luke now follow me very carefully why luke is talking about barnabas an apostle apostle according to new testament testimony the one who has seen christ and one who was commissioned by christ and that's why we have an 11th apostle and then later on the one was added now clara clement of alexandria of an early church early church father asserted that barnabas was one of the 70 men whom jesus sent well in luke chapter 10 verse 1 says the lord appointed over 70 men and send them two by two according to alexander uh, clement of alexandria he was one of them where jesus christ sent him for the ministry of preaching the word barnabas possessed one of the distinctive qualification of the apostles um, and then later on he says um, clement says that it is that when uh, jesus christ was appeared you remember in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 6 it is said that then he appeared to 500 men the reason lord was appeared to 500 men according to alexander alexander clement of alexandria barnabas was one of them whom jesus appeared because paul writes among those people whom he has seen they are alive very well with us so that what he says but the scripture the new testament do not give any testimony about that so barnabas first appear in uh, in setting up in the early church uh, early church in community when which may suggest that he became christians on the day of pentecost barnabas a levite had a state on the island of cyprus that in itself is very interesting when you read that barnabas had a property in cyprus in cyprus the levites in the old testament economy were not supposed to own land you remember when moses uh, joshua allotted the land to the people levites were not given any land because through uh, uh, joshua the lord told the levites i am their portion i am their portion so when you see that barnabas owned the land in a foreign land that speaks about the apostate jewish uh, judaism apostate judaism because when the levites were not supported by the people they went for their own support well you find it uh, nehemiah chapter 13 uh, you find that verse in 10 that that happened to the levites people because the storehouse in the temple which was supposed to keep the uh, the offering and all uh, sanballat take took away everything and he brought tobiah inside 
So the, uh, as a result of that, the Levites went out. And so that speaks about the disastrous failure of the Jewish faith. He was a Levite and he owned the land in a foreign country, not in the promised land. Mark that word. And in ancient time, Cyprus was a famous for its vineyard, wheat, fields, oil, and figs. Anyone who possessed the land in Cyprus was a rich man. Rich man and a very man of influence. During these early days, the church of the church, many men sold their properties and possessions and put them, all the belongings, at the feet of the apostles. At the apostles. Barnabas outlaid everybody. He decided that he would become true Levite. True Levite. Believing that God will see him. God will take care of Barnabas. That what? So he brought everything and put it before the apostles' feet. He was a sincere man. There was no hypocrisy in Barnabas' life. You find the hypocrisy in Acts chapter 5, Anana and Sapphira. But everybody were praising Anana and Sapphira, sold their property, partial they kept for themselves. You remember that? And they were struck dead because... The Lord did not want the hypocrisy get into the church. That was the first sin getting into the church. And the Lord has to deal with hypocrisy. In Barnabas, you don't see that. What he sold, everything he brought before the apostles' feet. <clears throat> he was a sincere man. And he was, he was with a great wealth. And he brought everything. In other words, Barnabas, in Barnabas, you see, he was willing to be spent and spent for others. He was willing to spend and be spent for others. Later on, Paul writes, it is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. Barnabas is a classic example. He gave everything. There was no hypocrisy in Barnabas' life. No wonder the disciples, they changed his name. Jose was the name, but they called him Barnabas. They called him Barnabas. Barnabas means son of consolation. Wow. A son of encouragement. A son of exhortation. Oh, friends, how much we need that kind of character in our own family, in our church, that you can count on him, count on her, and say, I want you to follow him. Because there is no hypocrisy. He, what he was outside, he was inside. Oh, we are missing that. We are missing that today. My prayer, after listening to that, friends, if you need to do some homework, do it. Do it. He was a sincere man. We need that man and woman in family. He was a sympathetic man. He was sympathetic. Barnabas introduced Saul of Tarsus to the apostles' band. Three years had passed since Saul met the risen Lord on the way to Damascus. Nobody knew where he had gone. Remember, after the conversion, he left. He went to Arabia. 
And three years, he was absolutely disappeared. He created havoc. Everybody was scared to death. If they say, Saul is coming, even the children will be quiet. Barnabas had that, uh, Saul has that kind of fear. So three years passed, then Barnabas came, uh, Saul came. Nobody knew where he had gone. The church had heard that he was saved, but he had disappeared. God's saints had thoroughly enjoyed the blessed rest from persecutions. You remember persecution. But now after three years, Saul was back. He was in Jerusalem. He was seeking to join the apostles' band. Imagine your own mind. Here is a man who created havoc. God met him on the, way to, on the way to Damascus, completely transformed him, and he left. Now he's coming back to the apostles' band. He wanted to get into the fellowship of God's people. Everybody's scared to death. Everybody's scared to death. But now, after three years, he was seeking the fellowship. Naturally, everyone frightened to death. Saul of Tarsus was the most dangerous man of the age. Nobody would speak of him. In Jerusalem, he was hated, most feared, and the blood of many children of God were on his hand. So who would like to associate with Saul of Tarsus? It is no wonder that every door in Jerusalem was closed. Christians consider him like a Sanhedrin spy. He's a Sanhedrin spy. Almost all the odds, the real glimpse of Barnabas, true stature, he alone tried to do, but he was forbidden. He was forbidden. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he was the elder in the Jerusalem church. He wanted nothing to do with Saul. Peter, with whom the keys of the kingdom of heaven was given to him, he has nothing to do with Saul. Andrew, who always introduced people to Christ, had nothing to do with this man. Thank God there was a Barnabas. Thank God there was a Barnabas who opened the door. Opened the door. He took time and he spent time with, Barnabas, with Saul. Tell me the story. Tell me how did you meet Christ? What happened to you? And Barnabas and Saul began to tell his story. He listened the testimony. He believed Saul. He believed Saul. We can picture Barnabas taking Saul around Peter's place. Now this is little uh, imaginary. Keep that in mind. That Barnabas was not wanted. Uh, Saul was not wanted. Barnabas sat with uh, Saul and he found out who he was and where he's coming from and what is he would like to do. Barnabas took Saul to Peter's house and said, Peter, brother Peter, here we have a Saul whom the Lord met. Peter began to recognize and according to Galatians chapter 1, verse 18, then Saul stayed with Barnabas. Saul, Saul stayed with Peter two weeks. Two weeks. 
This is imaginary uh, thought, so please follow this, but it makes sense. Saul stayed with Peter for two weeks. Peter and Saul were up early in the morning to pray together. They went to the house of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Probably Martha, Mary, Lazarus, they always had their house open for Jesus. And whenever Jesus came by, they, he, they always entertained Jesus and the disciples. So Peter first thought, let's take Saul to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus and have time of fellowship with them. So probably Saul was introduced to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. From there, Peter took him to Gethsemane. And Peter was telling Saul, Brother Saul, we can hear Peter saying, I fell asleep while Jesus prayed. I can still remember the blood-like sweat on our Lord's brow. And the tone of his voice, he said, would you not watch one hour with me? That's what he's talking to Saul. And we, and brother Saul, right here, Judah kissed our Lord and he was arrested. Here was the place where I cut off the ear of Malchus' ears, but the Lord stooped down and picked it up and healed him, healed him. And that was a time we fled from our Lord and the Lord, left, was, the Lord was left alone. Brother Saul, here was the place I denied the Lord three times. Over there our Lord was condemned and here I was denying him, cursing him until at last the, the cock crowed. Then I turned and I wept bitterly. Perhaps they both traveled up to the rugged place where Christ was crucified. And Peter said, here was the cross stood and uh, he was soaked with blood. Perhaps both went to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathai and there was no more Jesus. He was risen. So Peter was saying to uh, uh, Saul that John and I ran to see but John outran me and Jesus was not there. After hearing all this from Peter's mouth, Saul of Tarsus expounded the true meaning of the Jewish Bible as he was taught in the Arabia while he spent three years. And Peter recognized the authority Saul of Tarsus had in telling the story of Jesus. Telling the story of Jesus. Barnabas was the first, very first one man to open the, his heart because he was a sympathetic man. Friends, how much more we need the sympathetic father and mother in the family. How much more we need that kind of character in our family. When it is not there, they turn away because they think nobody understands us. Nobody understands us. Where else we can go? 
Oh, we need sincere man, woman. Oh, we need sympathetic man and woman. Now we have spiritual man. The scene shipped to Antioch. The Antioch was a wealthy and magnificent city. It was the third city in the ancient world. The first was Rome. The second one was Alexandria. And the third one was Antioch. Antioch was the, the home of the Roman court. All the courts was in Antioch. It was, <clears throat> it was a Greek city, but there was a large community of the Jewish people. It was a Jewish people. It was the seat of the idolatry. The salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch and the Cornelius. And I remember that. How God brought the salvation in Ethiopian's life in Acts chapter 8. And then in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was saved. Both were Gentiles. And you think that the early church and the apostles would have a heart to reach out the Gentiles. But they failed. They failed. There was nothing there you find. So believers were widespread. The Gentiles coming to Christ. In Acts chapter 11 verse 22. The news about them reached to the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And whom did they think to send? It was Barnabas. It was Barnabas. There were ten apostles. Barnabas was commissioned by apostles that you go and lead. He was a leading teacher in the church, a loving, gentle, generous man in keeping with the name, which means the son of encouragement. Oh, the early church, the believers in Antioch, they need encouragement. They just came from the Gentile faith to Christ. They need someone who can understand. There was one man who understood Saul. Probably he would understand more. So Barnabas was sent to Antioch. A good man, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He possessed the necessary spiritual qualification for one who would discern what was happening Barnabas was the right man to send because like some of the founders of the Antioch church, he was from Cyprus. He was Cyprus. He was a local man. He was a local grown man. So Barnabas would understand more Antiochian than any other apostles. So Barnabas was sent and uh, Barnabas found out that the grace of God was upon them. Friends, the grace of God is invisible, but it was manifested by the lifestyle. Do you understand? Holy Spirit writes that the grace of God was upon the church. It is invisible characteristics of God, but it was manifested by their life. It was manifested by the fruits. You know, by uh, footnote, God is looking for the fruit. God is looking. You cannot do anything for salvation because salvation is done deal. 
but you can produce the fruit of salvation by your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you can produce the fruit. Barnabas saw the grace of God. He saw the fruit. And he arrived in Antioch and witnessed the grace of God by which they were saved and Barnabas rejoiced. Or all to see lost Gentile souls added to the kingdom and brought him immediately, immediate, uh, immeasurable joy. Being a spiritual man, being a sympathetic man, he encouraged them all to grow in the grace of God. That exhortation reflects the concern that every pastor should have. Every pastor should have. Every father should have. Every mother should have. Paul and Barnabas, in their first missionary journey, exhorted the new believers to continue in the grace of God. Continue in the grace of God. Chapter 14, verse 22, he exhorted the Christians in, at Lystra and Iconium and Antioch to continue in the faith. The faith is the body of the truth. Grow in faith means grow in the body of God's truth. That's what they encourage the believers in Antioch Church. Antioch Church. So here we have a man, he was a sincere man without hypocrisy. He was a man, he was a sympathetic man. He was a spiritual man. And this all we need in our family. Fourthly, he was a sensible man. He was a sensible man. The harvest was too vast for Barnabas to handle alone. That means Barnabas had a spirit of humility to recognize that he cannot do by his own. He needs someone. Or oh, do we need that kind of people? Those who recognize their own limitation and cry out for help? Barnabas was one. When the church was growing in Antioch, Barnabas realized that he cannot handle by himself. He cannot handle by himself. Whom should he turn? Whom should he go back to Jerusalem and recruit the help? His mind was running faster. Where would I go? Then probably he thought, Peter. No, he's too impulsive. What about James, the Lord's brother? No, he's too rigid. What about Thomas? He is too skeptical. What about John? He is too emotional. Barnabas could not think of one in Jerusalem. What about Saul? What about Saul? Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus. He departed to seek Saul and finding him was not an easy task. He did not have a GPS. So he has to go from house to house. He, go, he, he goes from house to house. He left for, and then he came to Tarsus 
apparently, he disinherited all his belonging. You know, Paul is writing his own testimony in Philippians chapter 3. When Paul was turned to Christ, his everything was taken away from him. Everything was taken away. Literally, he became homeless. That's why it was, the Holy Spirit writes, it took, it took some time to find out where Saul was located. And Paul, later on, his writing in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Paul is writing his own testimony that what was plus for me became minus, and what was minus for me became plus, surpasses knowledge of Jesus Christ. I count it all lost. Everything was taken away from Saul of Tarsus in Tarsus. So he had nothing. Barnabas had to look for him, search for him. And finally when he met, Brother Saul, I need you. The church needs you. Will you come? Finally Barnabas caught up and he brought him to Antioch. He brought him to Antioch and two gifted men formed the powerful ministry team. They faced the daunting task of shepherding the large member of the new believers in a hostile pagan environment. Barnabas and Saul stayed for one year and guess who supported Barnabas and Saul? Church. That was the pattern right in the beginning. One year, the church supported Barnabas and Saul for everything. Everything. And they taught the word of God for one year. <clears throat> Have you ever wondered the word Christian where did it come? Who started that? Not Jerusalem believers. The apostles were there. But the believers called Christian at Antioch. Thanks to Barnabas and Saul. Thanks to Barnabas and Saul. They invested everything. And when the Gentiles believed in Jesus Christ... The grace, the character, the lives were changed. So when people began to see these Gentile believers, I'm sure they would say, or they would have said, look at Christ's followers. Look at Christ's followers. No wonder they call Christian in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Barnabas was willing to play second fiddle. Oh, we need that. We need today in our family who would willing to step down and help others 
not me, 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 but others. He was a sincere man. He was a sympathetic man. He was a spiritual man. He was a sensible man. He was a surrender man. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, said the Holy Spirit to the elders of the Gentile church at Antioch. When you read the story like this, friends, it's fascinating. No wonder William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, every day he would read the book of Acts, one chapter, and he would set tears on that chapter. So the, the history says the book of Acts will be torn every, every time when he finished the book, Acts. Because he would weep, he would cry, and he would say, do it again, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Barnabas and Saul, the Holy Spirit told the church at Antioch, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, a spiritual man with effective spiritual ministry will see God extend their spiritual mission and God always chooses the best for his ministry. Is it not? God always chooses he takes and makes them best. That is God. That is God. The disciples were not extraordinary. They were ordinary, but they were made extraordinary. The church was growing. Antioch church was growing and Barnabas and Saul were the teachers. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas could have argued back to the church leaders and elders. He said, listen, I came from Jerusalem and I was very much involved with these believers. I gave my life to build them up. Let me stay some more time. Let me stay more time. No. He said, yes, send me. I'm ready to go. You know, my friend, this is personal illustration, but that very much fits. In 1982, we were commissioned to the largest congregation in our state. We had 3,000 members. And I was assigned as a pastor. And every Sunday we had 1,000 people in the church. Our Bible study would be more than 250 people every week. We have a young, adult, young couples fellowship with 40 young couples would come and we will teach them to build their family. My wife had a wonderful ministry among the young girls, high school and college. And about 50 girls would come every week to study the Bible. So we were in the peak of the ministry. The church was growing, lips and bound. We had to add 100 more chairs in accommodate to people. If people come five minutes late, they had to stand in the Sunday school room to hear the sermon. That was a picture in 1982. And all of a sudden, 
the request came from the New York conference that we are looking for a young pastor and family who can go and teach the word in America. First time, my wife said, no, we don't want to go. America is here because people are so hungry. One of us could have thought the same thing. The church was growing. We don't want to go. But then the bishop came and he said, we are desperately looking at you. Pray fast and make a decision. And then the history tells us that we obeyed God and came here. Barnabas could have thought the same thing. The church was growing, growing, growing. And uh, Barnabas could have said, no, we want to stay here more. But they were willing to obey. He was not like Moses or Gideon, who had all the excuses not to obey. But Barnabas said, yes to the Lord and no to the flesh. You know, it is only God and his spirit will help us. I remember Matthew Henry was a very young, uh, very, uh, very brilliant man. You want to know, Henry Matthew was, he memorized the Psalm 119 at the age of 12. Age of 12. Psalm 119 in Hebrew language. That brilliant he was. At the age of 8, he was converted. And the Lord called him to be a missionary in India. Talking 200 years story. And he was dating with a girl called Lydia. And the Lydia told Matthew, Matthew, hey Matthew because he was given a title. And, and, and uh, uh, the, um, in the church, he was given a heavy responsibility, age of 18. And Lydia says, Matthew, you can stay here. He, uh, sorry, he was a chaplain in Oxford University. He was assigned that responsibility. Imagine, 18 years old. And the Lydia told that, Henry, we can marry and build our family here. And Matthew said, let me wait upon the Lord. So whole night, he waited upon Lord and said, Lord, what would I do? Here is the ministry here. And your call is in India. What should I do? Next morning, he took the pen and paper and wrote these words, no to Lydia, yes to Lord. And he went to India. And then he translated the New Testament in Persian language. He came to Istanbul to hand over the New Testament copy to the king. And the bodyguard said, if you confess Jesus Christ is the prophet of God, then I will let you do. And Matthew Henry said, you can cut my tongue and every piece will tell Jesus Christ is Lord. He never came back. He died. But these are the heroes of faith who's traveling before us, who said no to the flesh, yes to the Lord, no matter what the price was. Here was a part of us, offered the beautiful place, Antioch, his own, and then he said no to Antioch. Go where the Lord would have him to go. There are three important truths about God and mission. Number one, the truth that the ministry is to be done for the Lord is here reinforced by the Spirit's command. 
to set apart Barnabas and Saul for himself. They were his men to be used for his kingdom. That's first thing we learn. Second, God sovereignly calls men to the ministry. The church did not choose Saul and Barnabas. It was the Spirit of God chose Barnabas and Saul. Church did not. And your church did not create a mission scheme or strategies to reach out the Gentiles. God had already entrusted when the Holy Spirit called Barnabas, he surrendered. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit's voice and he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Education, zeal of financial support does not make a missionary. Let me say it again. Education, zeal or financial support does not make a missionary. It is God who makes it is God who makes. He was a sincere man. He was a sympathetic man. He was a spiritual man. He was a sensible man. He surrendered completely. And he was a sound man. He was sound man. When the church, when the Jerusalem church wanted to send a man to Antioch for the new work, among the Gentiles, they found sounder man, Barnabas. Now the crisis had arisen in the Antioch church because of the false instruction was coming into. The false teaching was getting into the church, in the early church. Imagine in your mind, Paul, Saul and Barnabas, they minister to Antioch church and they build them in the grace of God and the teaching of the word was so profound. And here comes the false teacher from Jerusalem. And they started to put the poison in the minds of the people. They were talking about, unless you are baptized, unless you are circumcised, you will never be a Christian. Can you imagine what would have happened if they followed the instruction of the false teachers? We have so many today like that, friends. Unless you do this, 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 you are now not to be born again. Well, that was the issue they faced. What should they do? I was thinking, the Antioch church, when the false teachers came into Antioch and started the poisonous seeds planting in the minds of the people. The Gentile believers are confused. Are we not believers? Why we have to follow? This is the people who came from Jerusalem. So church gathered and they said, okay, let us settle the issue. They decided to send Saul of Tarsus and Barnabas Back to, back to Jerusalem church. You read that story in Acts chapter 15. And they settled the issue. Barnabas was a sound man. Can church count on him? 
Do you know, my friends, if that issue had not been settled down, I believe with all my heart, that would be a Gentile church and there was a Jewish church separate. Thank God for Barnabas. Thank God for Saul. Sound men. They came back with a sound teaching. As a result of that, the false teaching was discredited. Discredited. We need that kind of characteristics in our church. <clears throat> Lastly, he was a separated man, sincere man without hypocrisy, sympathetic man who understands other people. He was a spiritual man who can take the leadership. He was a sensible man who understands he was he was surrender man and he was a sound man the church can count on him oh we need that today in our churches and then we have a separated man the question about the gentiles and judaism was settled at the jerusalem council in acts chapter 15 there would not be two churches but only one church the church of christ not gentile church not a jewish church but then, there was a hypocrisy in Peter's life. Barnabas was drawn away to Peter. When Paul found out, he confronted, this is all in the Bible. So you read Acts chapter 15 and you know what I'm talking about. Paul confronted that, that you find in Galatians chapter 1. Paul confronted this. There was a hairline crack in relationship between Saul and Barnabas. Acts chapter 15. So now, Saul and Barnabas came together again. End of Acts chapter 15. Saul Barnabas, Saul Barnabas decided to go for second missionary journey. First missionary journey was over. So second missionary journey, and then Barnabas asked Saul, we, shall we take Mark, John Mark? You remember John Mark, he was a cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas wanted, Saul, Barnabas wanted John Mark, because John Mark, in the first missionary journey, they left he left them. So here was the issue. What should, what should Saul do? What should, what, what should Saul do? There was a hairline crack between their relationship. Barnabas wanted John Mark despite of his failure in the first missionary journey. So there was a small disagreement between Barnabas and Saul. Who was right? Who was right? Paul was right. Not taking him, or Barnabas was right, who wanted John Mark in second missionary journey. And they both divided. They both divided. They both separated. Who was right? This is the argument. Listen carefully. First, listen to Barnabas. Mark is my nephew. 
And I feel personally responsible for his spiritual well-being. What a travesty it would be if I, having risked my own life for heathen and had no concern for my own relatives, I do not admit Mark did fail. I, I, I do admit that Mark did fail. He turned back after putting his hand on the, uh, to the plow. He looked back. But I could point out my own failure too. Can we not at least credit Mark, his enthusiasm, and take him back with us? At least. Listen, Peter failed. But the Lord forgave him. Can we not forgive Mark and take us with us? Let's hear Paul's argument. Barnabas, I must confess that I'm deeply moved by all you have said. My heart is fully alive. I owe you. Were it not you, I would not be among the apostles and the believers. I owe you where I am today because of you. Mark is your nephew. I could bow to your desire, but there are longer consideration than this family and friendship tie. Mark might have rendered excellent service to the Lord in other fields. For instance, he was the way with the word. He is good in writing. He is good in words. Why don't you ask him to write about the life of Jesus? Once he has deserted us, I don't think we should take Paul, uh, Mark in our missionary journey. He's a good at writing. Let him write. So what happened? This is my imagination. You follow me. Paul was about to be beheaded. He was about to hear the soldier's footsteps taking him and to be beheaded. And he was writing his last epistle and last letter to his pastor friend, pastor's son, Timothy. And whom did he remember on his death roll? Whom did he remember? What did he write to Timothy? He said, Bring John Mark. Bring John Mark. He is useful to me. And when Saul was handed over the scroll and he read, it was the gospel of Mark written by Mark, handed over to Paul before his death. He was a sincere man. He was a sympathetic. He was spiritual. He was sensible. He surrendered everything. He was a sound man. And he stood on his ground. Oh, we need that today. In our home, in our church. May the Lord raise persons like that 
a man and woman needed in our time. The Lord is counting on you. Search your heart and see where you have failed. Ask God to forgive. And tell the Lord, Lord, no matter what, I would like to pay the price to be that kind of man, that kind of woman in my family so I can run the race with joy and finish my course with joy. That life is worth living. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you very much for Barnabas. What a life he lived. What a legacy he left behind. What the lessons we can learn from. Oh, merciful God, our churches need that kind of personality. Our home is desperate looking that kind of leadership. Will you please on this Father's Day, raised among us, Barnabas. So your name be glorified. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.